Hi, I'm Thomas Clements, and this is the Zenith Ministries Podcast. Welcome to our message of hope, security, and an exploration of true happiness. I'm glad you're here with us as we continue to share our stories of the many peaks and valleys of life and the beauty, truth, and goodness we were able to find in it. Please visit our website at zenithministries.com to connect with us to discover more. I'm about to make an important and bold statement. Ready? Here it is. Every 90s and 2000s romantic comedy is basically the exact same movie with different characters in different scenarios. It's true. They all follow the same formula. Boy meets girl. They make it seem like they could never, ever possibly get together. Then they get together. Things are going great until one of them messes up. The audience wonders if it's over forever. But then, before the one who's upset gets on that airplane, she looks over to see the one who messed up. They kiss and live happily ever after. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I I ate this up in the 90s, and I honestly still love it today. It's good entertainment, and while it might not always be realistic in the dating world, it is very true in our relationship with God. In fact, I dare say that the rom-com formula is biblical. Think about it. Humans meet God in the Garden of Eden. You would think that they would be considered as nothing in His eyes, but He cares for them and provides for them. Uh, Then humans mess up. He forgives them. And this actually happens many, many times in the Bible that humans mess up and they're forgiven by God. If you ever get a chance, read the book of Judges to really drive home this point. Uh, In this seventh book of the Bible, we see the Israelites ruled over by what are called judges, who are figures directly chosen by God to oversee his people. Uh, What we observe in this book is what has become known as the cycle of sin. We see the Israelites grow comfortable in the promised land and start slipping away in their relationship with God. Because of this, God allows them to be conquered by their enemies. The Israelites are enslaved and then cry out to God for help. God hears their cry and sends a judge to rescue them. The Israelites are freed, follow God closely for a while, but soon slip away again. To which God responds by letting them slip away and get conquered and enslaved again. They suffer, cry out, and God hears them. This happens a few times in the book of Judges, but we can see this pattern throughout Scripture as well. God sends many prophets in the Old Testament to help the Israelites get back on track. In the Bible, a prophet is basically a spokesperson of God that he sends to to call his people back to him. They warn them of the bad that can happen without him or remind them of the good and many blessings that come with him. My favorite prophet uh, is Elijah, who was sent during a time when the Israelites were in a lot of trouble. First, they were split into two kingdoms due to a civil war uh, after the death of the mighty and wise King Solomon. Then, after a succession of many uh, good and bad kings reigning over Israel, the northern kingdom was taken over by one of the most wicked kings uh, in their history, King Ahab. To make matters worse, Ahab's wife Jezebel was equally, if not more, wicked. They both partnered together in pushing their subjects to worship idols and false gods, punished those who worshiped the one true God, and sought out and killed the prophets of the one true God. One of these prophets they sought to kill was Elijah. 
But while he struggled at times, Elijah was a champ and showcased God's power and might many times. Many of the Israelites would worship the one true God because of him. Unfortunately, the story of the Israelites rising to and falling from living out their promises to stay close to God continues throughout the Old Testament, even leading them through a period when they are are banished from the promised land and forced to live among the Babylonians and then the Persians. In the New Testament, too, we see people, even some of Jesus' closest followers, continue the cycle of sin. They're messing up and falling away from God, but we do see some get back on track with God. Like St. Peter when he uh, denied Jesus three times, and then there's St. Peter when he was scolded by Jesus after he told Jesus that the cross and suffering wasn't for him, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And then, of course, there's there's Peter when he was walking on water with Jesus, but gets scared and cries out to the Savior, who responds by saving him, but also with disappointment, questions Peter on his lack of faith. Okay, so there are more people who mess up in the New Testament than just Peter. But I feel like he really encapsulates what we are talking about here. How it's not only possible to get back on track with God, but we can continue to get back on track with God regardless of how many times we slip. And more about Peter, he goes on to be the leader of the church after Jesus leaves him in charge. And maybe he just got the most bad press. Interestingly enough, after Jesus, Peter is mentioned the most out of all the apostles in the Gospels, uh, getting 191 mentions, with St. John coming in second at 48 mentions. Archbishop Fulton Sheen, a heroic and notable figure for the church in the 20th century, uh, claimed that the names of the rest of the apostles combined, like he counted every time a different apostle that was not Peter was mentioned, added it up and got the number 131. So Peter is mentioned more than all of the other apostles combined. And as we remember and can see, not everything he does is great, but he finishes great because he hates the fall but loves the fight. He gets back up every time, and and he's a pretty important Christian, and he is a model for us to emulate for sure. But it's also good to see that this is possible. It is possible to come back. It is possible to be down with what seems like to be very little hope and still come out on top with Jesus. So if we are not where we think we need to be spiritually speaking, we know that getting back on track with God is possible. We see it in the Old Testament and the New, that it is possible and important. And there are two ways to do this. There are two methods I think you can use to go about to get back on track with God. The first is to shotgun the spiritual life and start behaving how you think you should if you are already trying your best to be close to God. Pray rosaries, go to Mass on Sundays and even weekdays, go to confession every two weeks for a while until you get things in order, read spiritual readings, pray every morning, every evening, before every meal, and cut out all serious sin. This is like shooting first and asking questions later, which is really my style for everything, and this is kind of what I did in my journey to God. I started acting like I was a good Christian before I was a good Christian, and I basically willed myself to be better. And obviously, I had just tremendous help from heaven. You know, God put that desire in my heart, and he gave me the grace to live it out. But I definitely, you know, put it in my mind to behave like a good Christian and and worked to seek that and and do the best I could to achieve it. Um, The other method we could look at is a little more tactful and precise, 
and helping ourselves in our relationship with God. And to be honest, it's probably better and probably easier for someone who is struggling with something besides addiction like I did. Uh, The second method is to reflect and question why you fell away. Look at your timeline, find the point where you fell away and discern the cause, and then and then take the appropriate steps from there to deal with each situation. And then you can you know, work on growing closer to God as you deal with that. Now, I'm sure there are a plethora of complexities and nuances, but I'm going to suggest that there are really three reasons that people let their relationship with God slip. The first is pain, the second is pleasure, and the third is pride. So the first reason is pain, the second is pleasure, and the third reason is pride. By pain, I refer to anyone who has had a bad experience and let that impact their relationship with God. This really could be anything that made someone uncomfortable or in regards to certain events that have occurred, like the history of abuse uh, that has been coming out. And if anything like this has happened to you, I just want to say that, yeah, I totally get why you may have fallen away from God. I would probably be in the same place. It's, it's awful, awful, awful. I have so much more to say about that, but due to the time and the subject we're actually discussing here, I won't. But please, don't see this as belittling what you went through. It's terrible, and I hope you are able to overcome and see how God brings good out of even awful, awful things like that. It's possible. Uh, He's working to bring good out of all things for those who love him. That is true. And we see also that painful, painful things happen to people and they can blame God, uh, get upset with him. And I'm not above this. I've had bad things happen too. And I've, I've showed my frustration with God. And I think God would rather that happen uh, than if we just turned away and stopped talking to him. And people think that they can't talk to God like that or something. But, but you know, we read the Psalms and David makes his heart known to God several times in the Psalms, and it's, it's perfectly fine as long as you're continuing to talk and keep that communication up. Uh, someone recently told me that what causes them to struggle in their relationship with God is how hard life is, which is, once again, I think valid, right? Living a difficult life and going through difficult things makes it hard to see the gifts that we receive each day. It's difficult to have gratitude. But I invite people who are struggling in this way to fight through it. God will lift you up. He will help make your burdens light, I promise. He has a reason for not doing this right away. He has a reason for his timing. Keep fighting for it. Okay, the second reason people can slip away uh, that we mentioned is pleasure. And this can be the seeking of pleasurable things that that might hurt our relationship with God or not wanting to go through the effort of the struggle that prayer and other holy activities can be. And lastly, there's pride, which is a biggie for some who think they know more than the very bright and holy men and women from throughout the 2,000-year history of the church. They see certain conundrums in the faith and choose doubt instead of seeking out what is true. So people tend to fall away due to any one of these, but it can be also a combination of two or all three. I know it was a combo for me, Um, which brings me to a quick point. In no way am I judging anyone here or looking down on them. I'm I'm the last person who can do that laugh out loud, right? This is simply a reflection to help others identify what initiated their slipping away from God. I've been there. I get it. 
But by diagnosing this, we can better find a cure that helps that specific person. And for all three of these types of people, part of the cure, to borrow from the first method we discussed, is to make yourself do things you might not want to do. Get back on track with God by seeking God. This by no means needs to be perfect, but at least once a day, you need to schedule a time when you are alone in your heart with God, even in a, a busy office or you know a crowded airplane or crowded bus or a noisy car with kids or you know walking on the street surrounded by, by noise. You can still have a quiet moment with God. You can say something. You can be quiet and simply think of God, but you will need this time with him. I will also recommend finding a way to learn more about God and the faith. You can talk to someone like a priest, a knowledgeable friend, consult the saints in their many writings that they've written, uh, or, you know, talk to someone who knows about the saints. Uh, We have a, a good bit of insight to share here at Zenith Ministries. There are other services online that teach the faith, like Ascension Press, Krista Fenwick's Real Life Catholic, Matt Frad's Pints with Aquinas, and, and you could read the Catechism as well. That's got a, a lot of good information and truth in it. So in our more tactful method of getting back on track with God, those are two ways that you can seek Him. Uh, personally, in your heart to know Him, and then know more about Him by discovering what is taught about Him. Okay, but then getting specific here, if you think that you have fallen away in your relationship with God due to something painful in your life, One thing that might help you get back on track is to recognize that God loves you and whether or not you are feeling pain is not a determination of his love for you. Look for the good in your life. How has God shown his love for you elsewhere? What good is he bringing to you right now? It's so easy to allow hurt to fill our lens of the world and of God, but if you can begin to change this lens to see the good in your life, you can begin to transcend your suffering. I invite you to start or end each day with making a list of the good God has done for you in the last 24 hours. And for those that allowed pleasure to lead them away from their relationship with God, the best thing for you, I'm sorry to say, is sacrifice. Uh, This definitely goes for all the bad things in your life. Get get those out. Weed those uh, out, those bad habits and vices. But you can practice by offering up good things in your life as well. This is what most of us do every Lent, offering up good things to God to show Him our love for Him. I gave up coffee one year, and it was uh, simultaneously my best and worst Lent ever. But we can do this every day as well. Uh, You can only have bread for one of your meals or two of your meals. You cannot watch Netflix for a day. Only use your computer and phone for work-related tasks. Uh, Cut out salt from your food. Take cold showers. Put a pebble in your shoe and and so much more. There's so many sacrifices we can make uh, of things that are not inherently bad or evil, but we we still, you know, practice uh, saying no to ourselves by giving these things up. Saying no to the good things makes it easier to, to say no to the bad things, right? And say yes to God. So the point is that you are molding your will to do things that you don't necessarily want to do. Then when it comes time to prayer and those holy activities that you are averse to, it's easier to say yes. And finally, for the people who've had their pride cause them to slip away, first, I'm so proud of you that you are still listening to this. Good work. Pride is hard because we rationalize so well that we don't need God and have our minds made up that there's no problem to fix, so we don't need to do anything. 
Pride is when we trust too much in ourselves and not enough in God. We're missing what we're missing to grow closer to Him. It's fine though, don't worry. Say this prayer that comes to us from from St. Catherine of Siena. O Lord, you are God and I am not. So that's from St. Catherine and she learned this from Jesus himself. O Lord, you are God and I am not. Say that prayer and then ask him to help you to see reality as it is, how he sees it. Once again, even if we don't feel this right away, By willing ourselves to pray this prayer, the feeling will eventually come. We can mold ourselves and God can mold us to become what we are meant for. We just need to repeat this prayer and this attitude of humility. The fires of pride can be doused with the waters of humility. Go to God with a humble heart and he will let you find him. And and here are some steps that I've come up with. Uh, These are steps to, to gain a humble heart. First, don't do what you want to do. For an hour, a day, a week, a month, whatever, take some time to do every reasonable thing asked of you, especially if you don't want to do it. Put others first, even if you think you have a better idea, because sometimes, probably even most of the time, it is actually better to love than to be right. Number two, the second step is to focus on your failures, okay? So yeah, to, to focus on your failures, and I, I laugh, I think this is hilarious because it's usually the opposite advice that you hear. I actually think I said to do the opposite just a few minutes ago, but if you struggle with pride, you need to look at your flaws and shortcomings. In a healthy way, obviously, don't hate yourself, but we need to see our imperfections to see how God is saving us, how he makes up for our weaknesses, because everyone has imperfections and weaknesses, and these things actually glorify God all the more when viewed correctly. The third step to a humble heart is to then overlook the shortcomings and failures of others, and this will include the perceived failures of God. For some reason, we get it in our head sometimes that we think certain things that happen in life should have been done differently than, than, than God has done them. God is perfect and all-knowing, vastly greater than any human. It might not make sense to us now, but eventually it will. It will. So we need to trust and wait. And in regards to others, we need to focus on the good aspects of each person, recognizing how God loves the world through that person. How is he shining through them despite their flaws? Once again, no one is perfect. And God is glorified all the more through our imperfections. For whatever reason, you might have fallen away in your relationship with God. Know that he simply wants you back. The reason of your slip is nothing compared to the joy that arises from your return. There is nothing you can do to make God stop loving you. Even believing the lie that he doesn't love you does not take away his love for you. And thinking back to to those who you know fall away from God due to experiencing pain in their life, I, I think... You know, one of the important things to do is to to understand how God loves us, even through that pain that, that has been brought about in our life, that we need to, to learn how that pain can be transcended. Uh, I, I do deal with that a little bit in a book I'm, I, I'm working on right now called uh, How 
uh, Our Crosses Save Us or, or By Our Crosses We Are Saved is the title, and that should be coming out soon. But really explore uh, your suffering and, and how God actually loves you through that suffering and how it actually has meaning because of his suffering. I hope you can overcome whatever has crashed your relationship with the Lord. Getting back on track with Him is so important and worth fighting for. If you think you might need additional help with this, please give us a call at 470-253-0802 or reach out through our email, which is all one word, email zenithministries at gmail.com. We'd love to help you. It's our mission. And if you would like to help us, please continue to share our podcast, blog, and other social media posts with your friends and family. Help get this word out. Also, please consider donating to our cause. We have a variety of ways to do this at our website, uh, www.zenithministries.com forward slash donate. This would be extremely helpful as we continue to form, counsel, and accompany others in faith and healing. It would be amazing to partner with you as we climb together to the heights of humanity.